brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Matt Eddy. I'm John Manuel. Live from the metropolitan area of Indiana. Indianapolis. Uh, and we're in the Hyatt Hotel, and I think we're the last ones here, Matt. We're, we're shutting it down at the winter meetings in Indianapolis. My, uh, I don't know how many winter meetings I've been to now. It's six or seven. And this is Matt Eddy's debut appearance at the winter meetings. So, Matt, for our readers, our listeners here on the Baseball America podcast, what was, uh, give them an impression of what it's like uh, going to a winter meetings uh, from your first time, uh, first time, long time. Well, it's true what they say, and that you can see every – possible baseball dignitary and personality hanging out in the hotel lobby. That, that is a fact. Uh, and also many, many, um, it's a sea of black and blue suits, people yeah. looking for jobs. Uh, those are two, two of my main impressions. Um, uh, you know, and you find that a lot of the, the personalities are accessible. You know, you can, um, in most cases, approach people. I mean, I guess it helps if you're wearing a little media badge. But <laughs> It doesn't hurt. But... Um, is there, is there anything new under the sun for you, having been to a dozen of these? You know, I think what's changed is uh, the job seekers on the baseball side. You know, the first couple I went to, all the job seekers were, um, you know, minor league job seekers. The major league job seekers are just, a, you know, in the information age, and in the last 10 years, every club has a statistical analysis guy. Teams have video interns now. They have interns who enter data, that part has exploded, and you see a lot more of those kind of guys at the winter meetings than you used to. You know, I, don't, I didn't used to meet guys from Harvard at the winter meetings who were trying to get into baseball. It happens every year now, and that didn't happen the first one I went to. I guess was in Nashville like in 2000 or 2001. So that's definitely been the change, the job seekers on the major league side. It's not always retired players. But like, hey, there's Michael Tucker. Yeah. And that's kind of neat. I don't know exactly what Michael Tucker's doing. I think he already has a job. But, uh, you know, you used to always see, like, some ex-players, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to you know, get a job with a front office club. Now that people trying to get jobs in the front offices are more likely, you know, kids with acne issues who are trying to get uh, statistical analysis jobs or, or trying, to do, <clears throat> trying to do video analysis or those kind of internships. You see a lot more of those guys, and some without acne, actually. Acne is not a prerequisite. The point is they're very young. So, um that's, that's been the biggest change that I've seen. And uh, one other part, about, I guess, about it is just the explosion of media and the different kinds of media. And, you know, uh, the first couple of winter meetings, there would be a radio thing there, but now there's Sirius XM and you have SNY had a booth here, MLB Network, all the other TV things that have exploded out of it. So the media has definitely evolved over the last 10 years. Last winter meetings in Vegas was a very depressing time for media. 
That's what a lot of newspapers are laying a lot of people off. Some of them are shutting down. Uh, you know, uh, and this year, it seems like the transition has happened more to the online, so uh, into online media. So, uh, from that standpoint, it was a little bit different. But uh, let's uh, let's go from the beyond those minutiae a little bit, Matt, to the big deals that happened this week. A uh, couple trades, a couple small ones, a couple big ones. The big one that got a lot of attention. Let's touch on that one. Uh, the three-team deal with Detroit, Arizona, and the Yankees. Uh, we had Austin Jackson is the big prospect who is involved here. Uh, let's talk about the major league particularly a little bit, Matt. And I think uh, the, the, if you like this trade for Arizona at all, I guess we're trying. That's the consensus is banging on Arizona. It would seem to be that uh, Arizona's standpoint would be we traded two guys that we think are going to be relievers, Daniel Schlereth and Mark and Max Scherzer, for two guys who are starters in Edwin Jackson and Ian Kennedy. Do you think, do you think there's validity to that? point of view from the Diamondbacks? Well, um, maybe not. Um, it's questionable also taking Edwin Jackson away from the one environment where he's had success, uh, where he's actually had a good season. I agree. Because there were points in Tampa, and, and I think I think you and I would agree that a lot of that is probably due to uh, Rick Knapp, his pitching coach in Detroit. We're, we're Rick Knapp fans, sure. You know, so he goes from a situation of being a hard thrower, you know, without a lot of feel with the Dodgers. To the Rays and having some flashes, you know, pitching well in the bullpen in the playoffs, right. for example, with he the Rays. He threw well in the first half in 2008 and then kind of fell apart in the second. But then he goes out and he, has, he strikes out 170 guys. You know, his walks are under control by his standards. Um, and then you remove him from that scenario and put him in a very, very hitter-friendly park. Good point. You know, uh, and Kennedy pitched, what, 20 innings last year because he had a, a serious medical injury, you know, a, a burst artery yeah. in his yeah. shoulder. He's a real wild card. There's no doubt. I mean... He's a wild card where the upside is limited. I mean, I, I saw him good, to use the scout term, in September. I saw him good. But the guy was, like, you know, good for, really good for Ian Kennedy. And it was about the fourth or fifth time I've seen him was painting the corners at 90 miles an hour. He was pitching aggressively with his fastball. Honestly, what he reminded me of was Jeremy Hellickson with less less fastball and better breaking ball. Um, I'd still rather have Jeremy Hellickson. But that will tell you, that's how good Ian Kennedy looked to me. I'd seen, we're lucky in Durham, we get to see a lot of talent uh, at World Baseball America headquarters. But uh, that's who Ian Kennedy reminded me of in that it was a three-inning rehab stint for Scranton. And he pitched inside at 90 miles an hour with as much aggression and precision as Jeremy Hellickson had shown me all year for the Durham Bulls. So that's kind of who he reminded me of. He's going to have to pitch to that level to really make that trade a winner for Arizona in my mind. The Yankees get the best player in the deal, and in my opinion, and Curtis Granderson, platoon splits or not, um, I think he's a valuable piece and a, a really smart acquisition by the Yankees. What about Detroit? Uh, they Basically, they trade two important pieces, two good pieces, and Curtis Granderson and Edwin Jackson. They give four pieces back. What's the most important part of that package in your mind, Matt? Is it Austin Jackson, or is it maybe uh, Max Scherzer? Uh that's close. I, I probably would lean toward Jackson because Granderson was such an important part of that team, mm-hmm. whereas they have they still have Verlander and they still have Porcello. Um, but but Granderson, just such an effusive personality, such a you know face of the franchise kind of guy. Uh, so right. I think if, uh, the most pressure is on Jackson to perform. Um, and you cover the Yankees, so um, how optimistic should Tigers fans be? I think they they should have guarded optimism. I, you know, Curtis Granderson had high strikeout rates in the minor leagues. That actually made me back off of him. 
as a prospect. Uh, I think that Austin Jackson's a comparable athlete for sure. Maybe a, maybe uh, you know I haven't actually ta- ever talked to anyone about Curtis Granderson's athleticism. I know he got basically faster and was a better athlete lo- later in the minors than he was when he got in. Maybe it was a strength program or or whatever, but uh, he wasn't considered a guy who was going to be a base fielder and a center fielder when he was first drafted, and then he got better the closer he got to the big leagues. Um, I think Austin Jackson already has that athleticism. Uh, the, com- the comparison doesn't exactly translate because it's right-hand hitter versus left. Uh, the big thing, the, the chasm between the two players, is he, doesn- he does not have Curtis Granderson's power. Granderson just hit 30 home runs last year. Yeah. I think it would take two to three years for uh, – uh, you know, for Austin Jackson to hit 30 home runs, period. So. How, well, how does he compare with our rookie of the year, Andrew McCutcheon, for example? I think he's doesn't, not quite the athlete or the fast twitch guy and the bat speed guy that Andrew McCutcheon is. The thing with Austin Jackson is he has hit about 290, 292 or so in his career in the minor leagues, and he's an efficient base stealer. He was 24 for 28 this year. His base stealing has been fairly consistent in the minor leagues. I think he's going to be a bottom-of-the-order hitter. If he was asked to be in the big leagues next year for Detroit, and it looks like he might be, I think he'll play a very solid center field. I think he'll be a better defender uh, than people give him credit for. I think he's a playmaker defensively. He makes big throws. He makes big catches. I think he will have that knack and that flair like Curtis Granderson will have. I think that you know, there's no doubt that uh, there's a loss of offense for Detroit in that, uh, in that, in that move. To me, he's, he and Scherzer really do hold the keys. Phil Koch is what he is. He's a lefty reliever, kind of a left-on-left guy. Dan Schlereth has a chance to be more than that. Coke, Schlereth, Ryan Perry, you know, some interesting arms. Where's Jason Stoffel? You'll have your 2008 Arizona bullpen. Uh, and I mean Arizona Wildcats, not Arizona Diamondbacks. So you can go to a super regional. That's a great uh, job, by, a great job by Detroit there to get all those uh, Arizona Wildcats relievers and get the band back together. But uh, I, I think the, the other, to me, the, as much as I like Austin Jackson, and I do, I think really Max Scherzer, and you mentioned Rick Knapp, I think it's incumbent on Rick Knapp to get uh, Max Scherzer to smooth it out and to be a starter and, to, and whether he can help Max Scherzer be a durable starter and really take that number three spot that uh, and that Austin, uh, Edwin Jackson would occupy. I don't, know if, I don't know if he'll be a two like Edwin Jackson was, but I think Rick Porcello will be better in 2010 than he was even in 2009. So That's a great point. I mean, the fact that the Tigers went ahead and made this trade for these pitchers probably signifies that Rick Knapp has vouched for these two pitchers. I, I think in this era, when there's so much video on these guys and video analysis and the video equipment is so specialized, if, if, if they didn't have all their pitchers, their, their minor league pitching coordinator and, and Rick Knapp and all those guys breaking down video of Max Scherzer and really seeing if there's something they thought they, they, they could help him with. I mean, uh, we'll transition to the Rule 5 draft off of this, Matt, because you're just talking to uh, the Yankees today. You know, Billy Epler said they had their hitting coordinator – Break down video of Jamie Hoffman and see, okay, we think he has a foundation where he can hit. He can get it done in the major leagues. And that's one of the things that helped lead them to draft Jamie Hoffman number one overall. I think that kind of set the tone of the Rule 5 draft. Here's a guy you know, a 25-year-old. A guy who's already been to the big leagues, and that's who's getting uh, 1-1 in the Rule 5. This is a low-upside, role-filler Rule 5 draft, Matt. Not even anyone as remotely as interesting as Everth Cabrera last year, <laughs> and only three position players in the first round of the Rule 5 draft. Did anybody out of those 17 players picked in the Major League phase do anything for you? Anybody really uh, even um, of modest interest to you? Well, we, we have heard, um, we did hear some rumblings about Ben Snyder. It sounds like he could be a little more than a left-on-left guy. Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. A brother, His older brother was a first-round pick. Uh, he was a decent, a reasonably high pick by the Giants, single-digit draft pick. 
uh, but really didn't really find the strike zone consistently until he was moved to the bullpen uh, at Double A Connecticut. Uh, God rest its soul. No, no more Double A Connecticut. No more Norwich baseball. Uh, John Rayner had that loud year. I mean, he was a four-year college guy in, in in the Sally League and in the Greensboro Park. Right. So uh, you know that that offensive performance probably is not what to expect. But he did jump that next year in 2008. That's when we started to think he was legit because he jumped from Greensboro to Carolina and had about an 850, 860 OPS, but then really collapsed uh, offensively in 2009 in New Orleans. I was a little surprised he went second overall, but just reading Neil Huntington's quotes, I mean, they, he is a fourth outfield profile and a platoon outfield profile. He, he did still maintain some uh, success against left-handed pitchers uh, in 2009, So, and, and the guy can run. The, the question I have about him is the scouting reports on his defense and center field always have been a little shy. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting a fourth outfielder, you kind of want that guy to be able to play center. John Rainer says like he's always been average to below average despite his speed in center field. Right. Uh, and, well, as, as we look further down the list, um, uh, the Athletics took Bobby Casavaugh yep. and uh, another uh, one of his teammates. Where is, uh, where is David Herndon? He's toward the Dallas. Da- the, the, Philly, the Phillies grabbed David Herndon at 22, um, a pair of, uh, pretty pretty high velocity right handed sinker ballers out of the Angels double A bullpen. You know the numbers don't jump off the page at you, but when you look at the, at the ground ball rates, they really do. Yeah, especially uh, Casavai with a four to one ground out the air out ratio, and ninety three ninety four times commands an issue for him for sure. Now the, the thing for me that the guy that stand out for me, the guys that have a chance to maybe be big league starters. I mean the Giants don't necessarily need big league starting pitching, but I guess there is a fifth starter role. They did use a lot of different guys in that role. I mean, uh, Martinez got starts there. Uh, they did. They, they kind of auditioned some different people. I think Stephen Johnson has a shot. Uh, guys, you saw him in the Easter League late in the year after that George Sherrill trade. Thought that Stephen Johnson, you know, threw four pitches for strikes. It was a back end of the rotation profile. But you know, guess what? You know, the Giants are looking for a back end of the rotation <laughs> starter, so uh, might be a fit there. He, he was piggybacked on that Josh Bell trade. Right? He was. Yes, that, that, that's, the, that's that same trade. And then the other, you know, the other guy that sounds interesting is a guy I didn't know much about coming in. Uh, oh, I was getting back. Well, let me finish the starter thought. Edgar Osuna is the other guy with a chance to be a starting pitcher, and it is the Royals number one. Uh, number two, they took a Brave, big shock. I mean, this is uh, the Royals love their ex Braves in the front office and the big leagues, whatever. Kyle Davies, come on down. You know, now it's Edgar Osuna, come on down. And uh, the the velocity the velocity is below average on the fastball. He throws a breaking ball for strikes, and he's got plus command. So that's a that's a fifth starter, left-handed pitcher profile. So he fits that to a T as well. And then uh, the other guy who was intriguing was I didn't know much about Jorge Jimenez, uh, drafted from the Red Sox. Um, I guess he's going to the the, Mar- the Marlins uh, from Houston. Um, but it sounds like he's got you know a big arm, a seventy or eighty arm, and a left-handed hitter who can hit. The power is a real issue. There's a career like four twenty slugging percentage. Which is clearly not ideal for uh, you know for a corner bat. I think some people were surprised the Red Sox did not protect him, considering that their issues at third base, wanting to trade Mike Lowell, and, uh, and he's a Double A, Triple A third baseman who's had some success at upper, upper levels. So, uh, now Matt, some of these trades get uh, some of these Rule Five guys are getting thrown into trades. Some of the other trades that we had a little, kind of a flurry of action here late. Uh, you had the Kevin Millwood going to Baltimore uh, from, the, from the from the Rangers, and the Rangers free that money up and go after Rich Harden. Uh, a couple other trades like that. Matt Lindstrom going from Florida to Houston. Any of those other smaller deals that uh, stood out to you, or 
are there any teams that between the Rule 5 and trades you really thought improved themselves here this week in Indianapolis? Uh, it, it appears that, that the Rays um, are the benefit of the, um, of the Braves' decision to offer Soriano arbitration because right. Rafael Soriano now heads to Tampa Bay in exchange for Jesse Chavez, whom they got from, uh, from Pittsburgh for, right. for Iwamura, so kind of the big circle there. You know, Soriano's proven himself to be a very effective late-inning guy, um, you know, a perfect fit for, for their bullpen as they try to sneak past the uh, Red Sox or Yankees one more time. Yeah, I mean, the power right-handed arm, they think that they were one short this year. Grant Balfour wasn't quite as good as he was in 2008. J.P. Howell was, you know, pretty solid, but he's not a textbook closer. And Rafael Soriano gives you another option, so you can uh, pick and choose if you're Joe Madden when you want to use Soriano, when you want to use J.P. Howell, and neither of those guys are... You know, uh, it doesn't seem like neither of those guys has the enough uh, years of closing under their belt where they would be offended if the other ones are closing. So if you handle that situation correctly, I think that could be a, a nice uh, improvement for Tampa. I agree. And I like the Kelly Shoppick uh, pickup for them. That's right, I mean, Shoppick, he's, yeah. He's not tremendous, but I do think he has a chance to hit. I think he has a chance to defend. I think he should be a, a solid average receiver for them. We're really Dinah Navarro. I think we've seen the 2008 was the outlier for Dinah Navarro. Most of his big league career he's been – Closer to 2009 than what he was in uh, in 2008. I think Texas has improved. Uh, you know, I do. I like the addition of Kevin Millwood for Baltimore. Uh, we'll see how long he can ha- hold up. He's losing stuff gradually, and but I do think they needed a veteran. They do. I do think they needed an innings eater. Uh, Texas is paying part of the contract. Uh, they didn't give up much to get him. So to me, the Orioles have they just have fallen apart so badly in the second half of seasons. I just need someone to go out there who knows what it means to be a big league starting pitcher. And, uh, you know, I think he has value beyond the numbers, but it's hard for that to be tangible. And, you know, Kevin Mill has pitched a lot. He's pitched in a lot of different places. He's pitched in pennant races. He's pitched on bad teams and everything in between. And he's going to be on a bad team. But I do think he can mentor the Brian Mattises and the Chris Tillmans and the Brad Bergesons and those guys. I think Baltimore had a need for that. And I'd much rather have Kevin Millwood for that role than, say, someone like Levon Hernandez. So I like that move for Baltimore, even though it's a low-impact move, and he really won't be there when it's time for them to, to really contend. Anything else from you, Matt, or should we just go ahead and sign up? you you got a plane to catch. So. I do, yeah. I think our, we have one last piece of the puzzle to find from the winter meetings here. It's uh, We're going to track down someone with the Padres who can tell us a little bit more about this Australian player they drafted in the, in the minor league rule phase of the, uh, of the Rule 5 draft. But that's just the kind of crazy coverage you get from us at Baseball <laughs> America. So... Matt, it was great having you at the winter meetings this year. Enjoyed uh, our, uh, I think I ate twice as much Asian food as I ever eat at a, uh, <laughs> at a winter meetings, and I also had more wine than I ever drink at a winter meeting. My wine to beer ratio was much, much better on the wine side than it usually is at a winter meeting, so that's, that's thanks to your arrival. So we appreciate everyone's interest in the Rule 5 draft and our coverage and the blogs, and of course we'll see you next week as we're wrapping up the Prospect Handbook next week at Baseball America in the home office back in Durham. For Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. Until next time, thanks for the download. So long, everybody.